new year, and it's good to be here this morning. Thankful for the Lord to have a new year upon us here. And I hope you had a good New Year's. I'm been it's, it's a quiet time of the year, and I enjoy spending a little quiet time, but certainly enjoying being able to take up continue with Nehemiah here this morning. And I'd like to just do a little recap this morning and and you know share a little bit about why I enjoy Nehemiah as it relates to today. Right? There's some things on my heart, and so we've taken up the first six chapters or so, and so I'd like to do a little recap here this morning as chapter 7 if you looked at Nehemiah 7 it's got some very instructive words in the first six verses or so and then it goes into a genealogy which is important as well let's let's look at Nehemiah 7 here but before we do that let's look at the recap that we have here before us what's on my heart is we're living in a day where specifically after we come after COVID, we live in a day here where I think I think the Lord is getting us ready to see him directly. <laughs> the Father is getting the bride ready to go. And we went through the COVID times and there's rumors of wars and there's wars going on in other countries and such like that right now. And I there's a lot of misinformation that's going on too. I happen to work in the a little bit in the technology realm of things, and it's interesting to see what's going on in the technology side. And the answer is, what is truth? What is truth? I mean, that's the question, what is truth? Pilate asked that question, what is truth? And we are getting down to a period of time where the Word of God is going to be the only source of truth because, frankly, the way this technology is working today, you cannot believe I look at things with discriminant eye because I've played around with the artificial intelligence myself. It's amazing stuff on many levels. But when it comes to the truth and the word of God and truths that we should abide, God's principles, why we need to be very, very discriminatory as to what we're, we're looking at here. And so I say that here with relates to Nehemiah because what broke Nehemiah's heart, as you remember in the first chapter, is the walls were broken down and burned and the people were discouraged. And I believe today we also have a great discouragement amongst people today, the children of God. It's become very apparent to me that there are dear ones that have true life in Christ and yet have been discouraged with regards to what their purpose is in life and also how to fellowship and how to meet to worship him in a collective sense. And of course, many things are in the world that are getting a hold of our attention as well. And so Nehemiah is finding these people exactly in the same situation. And so over the course of the first, whatever, six chapters that we've taken up so far, his number one goal was to get that wall put up. And then the wall, it's not, that the fa- it's not that the fact they didn't have worship going on, right? That's what Ezra, if you read it, the first part of Ezra, that was the premise of what Ezra was doing, was to get the worship put in place, right? The altar put up and the temple rebuilded. But Nehemiah's objective here is to put up the wall and the, consequently the gates that we're going to read about today. And there's reasons for this. And so with that, I wanted to read a little snippet that I just came across here with with William Kelly. And I think it's very, very instructive for us to just to 
consider this in light of today. So it's he says, this is, and he's happened to writing on chapter four, Nehemiah chapter four here. But here we have the day of weakness. Yes, but here was a day of weakness. And what I would impress upon your mind and my own is that we are no longer in the day when the spirit shakes the building. We are no longer in the day of power and glory. We are no longer in the day when signs and wonders are wrought. But are we therefore without God? What do we value most? The powers and wonders God works or God himself? This is the great question. Have we confidence in the presence of God with us? And do we value the presence of God above all the powers and miracles that ever was wrought? It is a very simple question. So is now with Nehemiah. There's no such thing as the Red Sea open for the people. No such thing as the Jordan crossed. There was no manna that fell down from heaven. But there was the evident word of God accomplished, and the way was open for them. There was an open door, an open door to that place where the Lord's eyes were continually, the land of God for the people of God. They had lost it as a matter of outward power, but not for faith. For they clung to God, even when God would not outly own them before all the world. This made it a trial, no doubt, but faith would find the trial profitable. And so I just consider the people were under a trial, and we have been under a trial today, and as we've, this is being recorded in 2024, and the premise of, of a holy life before God is still the same as it was then. And it also, and I've said this entire, and I've enjoyed this tremendously too, God would still have a people come to him and worship him. We're going to find that out as we move into this next half of the book here. We're going to find this out as we go, that God would have a purpose, a people for him to worship to him. Now, what we're seeing today in terms of worship is not necessarily, it's not necessarily what, what is, is, if we could say it, biblical. And that's the challenge for us is that we're not seeing today, in, in, and this is what breaks my heart, there are those that are bringing forth the premise of how to, and I can put it in air quotes, worship and what we see today of worship is not really worship as found in the Word of God. So this is why it's important that, that Nehemiah built the wall, and so I hope that helps a little bit in terms of that. So let's move on here into the first seven verses here of the chapter here. So let's jump right over into the uh, Nehemiah 7. Then it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors, when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanini and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard... And let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. 
Well, we have an interesting situation here where we where Nehemiah has his two brothers here, Hanani and Hananiah. But before we get to that, let's look back at, at verse one. Talks about he had hung the doors and and the gatekeepers and the singers had been appointed. Now I just want to dwell on that for just a second here. God's word is very specific. So when you see a list like this, you always look at this and go, what is the first, <laughs> what's the first thing in the list? And the first thing in the list here is the doors. It's important to have doors. You know, doors basically are, as listed here, doors allow to bring in and allows to keep out. That's what doors are. Walls do not do that. Walls just keep out and keep in. But doors are important to have coming in and going out. And we see here that as we move on down through the chapter here, we find out that there was a particular time when the doors were to be opened. And then right after that, the doors would be manned by gatekeepers. You see that there? Gatekeepers and they're porters. And it's so important to have porters. It's so important to have those that are standing at the door watching what's coming in and what's going out. You know, we have today, we have today something that is going on. It's been going on for some time where there are things that are coming at us, even from a quote unquote spiritual side of things that have not been proven. And they have just been thrown off the press, hot off the bookshelf. They're hitting the bookshelf. They're hitting the screens or whatever. And they have not been proven against the word of God. And that's a challenge. And then we get, you need gatekeepers. That's why it's so important to be able to look at Scripture and when leading some helps along the way, getting helps from those that have written 50 years, 80 years, 100 years, 150, 200 years, 300 years. These ones that have written have written along the way that have enjoyed these thoughts, they have been, what we could say, scrutinized. It's been scrutinized what they said, and it's called a peer review. You know, I just want to go on a little tangent, if you would allow me to go on a tangent. Peer review. In the medical sciences, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the science, sciences, there's something called peer reviews. And peer reviews is when someone puts something forth, some scientist puts something forth, or medical professional puts something forth, and then it's being peer reviewed by others to find out, is that true? Is that true? They're poking holes or they're validating what is being said. That's a peer review. Folks, brethren in Christ, we need peer reviews. We need, we need to check back to the word of God to find out, is this true? And sometimes when things are coming off the shelf and coming off the press so fast and we clutch onto these things, we're not getting it peer review. We're not looking into the scriptures to find out is this true or is this not true? And that's why when you have things out there that have been out there for whatever, 80 years, 100 years, 150, 200 years, 300, 400 years, that has been peer-reviewed along the way to find out what that person was sharing, was that certainly, does it match, is it congruent with God's word? And that's why you have porters, all right? So that's the important thing there about having porters and you have uh, gates as well. Then we have singers, and then we have Levites. And if you look back, if you look back into First Chronicles six, we see there when Solomon was putting together the temple. Why singers? Singers are when the order is all put in place. The singers come in. It's a beautiful thing. 
And this is what's so beautiful is when you see the Queen of Sheba come, right? Queen of Sheba comes and she's she is in awe of what Solomon has going on because everything is in order and the singers are singing. And there's another thing going on too. I'm not certain that what's being quote unquote air quotes sung today is actually truly hymns. I do not know if this is actually, it doesn't appear when you look from scripture that is truly honoring to the Lord. And so it's important that, and you see that Solomon and then David before him, David before him gave the Psalms and we sing rich worship unto God. And it's so important to see that singers follow after having the porters and the gatekeepers in place. And then you have the Levites being appointed, lastly, the servants, okay? So it's a beautiful thing to see the order of scripture as we see here in the first verse of, of Nehemiah chapter seven. But moving on here to chapter, verse two, we have these two brethren here, Hanini and Hananiah. And it's interesting here too, that he says he was a faithful Oopsie, let's get it. He was a faithful man that feared God more than many. This is a very important thing. Nehemiah is very careful as to who he's going to put in charge. Two men, and they were faithful, one, particularly one of them, one's his own natural DNA brother, and the other one was an, a faithful man and feared God more than many. You know, there's something interesting I just read too in, in preparing for this little thing here and I'm just going to quote it, is, is the fear of God rides on the humility of one. And these guys were humble. And what's so beautiful to think is that when there's humility before God, there's also comes along the fear of God. When we lose the fear of God, we're not going to be humble. I think it's just a beautiful thing. The humbleness, the humility before God will encompass the fear of God. Knowing the fact that I am, I am not a... I am not a 50 pence debtor. I'm a 500 pence debtor. I've so enjoyed that here recently. And coming to my own soul, the fact is, is that, you know, I, I, even though I was saved at five years old and have walked with the Lord these years and enjoyed these truths, I still have come to realize that I am the 500 pence debtor. The Lord Jesus had to pay, had to pay for my sins. And you have to realize this and you have to come before him and recognize the fact that that we are where we were obnoxious with our sins and he's come to save us and so, so let's move forward here with what's going on here and we see here that he instructs them in verse 3 he says do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot while they stand guard let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants there we go there is the premise of saying you know what do not open the doors until the sun is hot. And this goes back to what I was saying a little earlier is too much is being trafficked, trafficked in Christendom. Merchandise. Hey, I'll tell you something. I love marketing. I eat marketing up. I went to school for marketing. I love marketing. But the problem is, is that marketing is being used in the things of God and being trafficked in the things of God. And in doing so, it is not a things of God. That's why the doors were completely shut until the noon. What does it say here? And and let the and let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. Right, the sun had to be hot before the gates were opened up. And while they stand guard, and so they had to sit there and watch. The porters were watching what was coming in and going out. This is now order 
in Nehemiah's eyes, this is order for the God's earthly people that time to have the wall put up and now have the gates functioning and have the porters putting at the door. While they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors. So it's beautiful to see this is this is order and this is it plays out exactly how it should play out in a local assembly in terms of being humble before the Lord and having porters and having that carefulness as to what would come before that. And it's also should be in our own lives too, our own personal lives as well. Okay. All righty. So that was the porters and the gates and the two men there that are are mentioned there. And I just wanted to, before I jump past this here too, about these two men here, I just want to mention too, is I don't have a, I don't have a, a thing here, but you, you know, if you want to look at faithful men, look at first Timothy chapter three, Apostle Paul is laying out his heart to Timothy and look at the list there that you see in first Timothy three, both with the elders as well as the deacons and find out a list. If you want to say, am I faithful before the Lord? Look at that list and, and sharpen that up and go, man, you know what? I, I, need, I, I want to be faithful to the Lord, but there's a little checklist for you. And it's just a beautiful checklist to go down because to serve the Lord in this last day, we, folks, we are on the last cusp here of, of things going down. The Lord taking us out of here. And it's just so lovely to be able to serve the Lord and faith being faithful that's what nehemiah was looking for right and he found that there with those with those two men all right lastly just wrapping this up here we see here they have the captives they have a whole liturgy here of people here now the city was large and spacious but the people were few and the houses were not built then the god then my god put it in my heart to gather the nobles rulers and the people that they may register by genealogy, okay? If you're reading along with me in, in Nehemiah 7 here, why you'll see that there follows us here, there was a large genealogy being given. It's a repetition of what's being given in Ezra, but I wanted to make note of the fact that as we go down through here, and I'm not going to go down through here, you can read it for yourself, you'll find here that the, there, the genealogy is listing the people, the count of people, etc., as they go down through there. And that is a beautiful thing. And you ask, why in the world is it given? Why are men being listed here? Well, you know, something interesting. And by the way, this is the second time, as I just couldn't say, this is the second time it was done in Ezra as well. And Nehemiah shakes it out in his book, and he's going down through the list of men as well. Well, it's there is an interesting principle here that God has, and we need to take it for ourselves. And that is, God makes lists. Yeah, he's keeping a list right now. And so interesting to know is right now is we just came through this last holiday here and many remember the Lord Jesus in his birth, if you will. And if you read there, you find accounts in two gospels of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus. So carefully taken, one aspect from, from the father, Matthew's, uh, from in Matthew's, from the kingly perspective of Joseph, the other one from in Luke, from the mother's perspective of Mary, the genealogy is very, very carefully laid down. But here's what I wanted to share. When it all comes down to it, there is a book written about you. There, is, there are notes being written about you, and there's a notes being written about me. Let me give an example. This is what became before me here in terms of this. We do, it's a scriptural principle, and let's go jump on over to Revelation chapter 20. Okay, this is some books that God uses. Why would God use books? Well, he doesn't need to use books, but books is what we're used to. And so it says, 
in Revelation 20, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those which were written in the books according to their works. Interesting, huh? You can just meditate upon at the very end of Revelation there that John, the apostle John, saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior and you die and you stand before God, and this is what this is right here, the dead, small and great, and you do not have the blood of the Lord Jesus upon you, then yes, that book will be opened and you're going to be judged according to your works. If you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior, then the blood has washed away your sins. Now there's another there's another little time you'll have with him, but it's not going to be according to what we follow after this, being cast in the lake of fire. If you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior, then things are going to be accomplished in a different way, obviously. But books are being taken here, and people live their lives right now not understanding the fact, not appreciating the fact that God is taking account and we will be judged at one day with it. Whether you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you'll be judged with it. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, haven't taken his blood upon you, have not been purchased by that blood to cover your sins, to wash your sins away, then you'll be judged from the books as well. All right? So interesting enough, that's how Nehemiah 7 wraps it up is is basically allowing allowing for a list to be given a second time. God is a God of lists, and we are getting listed right now as well. And if you've lasted down to this part of the program, why I had a, a crazy idea. I take notes along the way, and I would like to share um, out of Evernote. I use Evernote as a note-taking thing. So some of these notes I'll be dropping in the links below and that'll allow you to read further on some meditations that we've just taken up today. I hope that is of help to you. So with that, tell others, hit the like, share, subscribe button, because it does help the algorithms to get going along the things here. And so with that, I look forward to chatting with you as we take up Nehemiah 8 tomorrow. It's always a pleasure to do this. We're trying to get through Nehemiah here, and it's certainly apropos here at the beginning of the first part of this year, the new year. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow, if the Lord will, and we'll see you then.